Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. For the best way to fall asleep with night falls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfall's classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfall's, Nightfall's Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfall's, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfall's Premium today in just two tabs on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. If you've been feeling overwhelmed with anxiety lately, try listening to a guided meditation on the Meditation for Anxiety podcast. Meditation is a proven, natural way to help you calm down and dissolve stress so you can feel lighter and happier. So subscribe for free today to the Meditation for Anxiety podcast by searching for Meditation for Anxiety on your favorite podcast player. Hi, I'm Jeffrey. Welcome back to Nightfalls. Come, settle in for tonight's calming meditation and soothing bedtime story. As always, don't worry if you fall asleep before the end. You can drift off whenever you're ready. Before we begin, I'd like to say thank you for your recent reviews. Thanks to Gilly Turk, who wrote that Nightfalls has been life-changing for them, allowing them to just relax and stop their mind from jumping all over the place when they can't sleep. It's magic to hear that we're helping so many of you on your sleepless nights. Come. Get cosy beside the fire and I'll tell you of the day I finally got to explore the underwater world my good friend Anwen calls home. I still can't even begin to understand how the sprawling underwater paradise is able to stretch out as far and as wide as it does. What I can say is that life looks a little different beneath the surface of the lake. And tonight, if you'll listen, I'd love to tell you exactly how so. Before we dive deep 
beneath the surface of the lake and discover the secrets anchored up in its azure depths. Why not take the opportunity to dive deep into relaxation? Come to a comfortable position and allow your eyes to gently drift closed on the day. Draw a deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. Center your attention on the sound of my voice as your mind begins to clear and you wind down from the day. Send your attention to the crown of your head, to the muscles in your face and neck. And as you draw a deep breath in, gather up any of the physical or emotional tension stored there. Exhaling, release that tension and allow it to drain from your body on the gentle tide of your breath. Breathing in once more, root out the tension in your shoulders, in the strong planes of muscle that support your ribs, and in the muscles of your core. As you exhale, Feel your body letting go of all the stress and strain that has twisted itself up into those muscles. Inhaling, send your attention into your hips and your hip flexors and down into the muscles of your legs. Exhaling, let go of any tightness you feel stored up there. No longer are you rushing around to meet the needs of others. The responsibilities that bind you during the day drift further and further from you with each gentle cycle of your breath. So take a moment to breathe, to be. You have time. Tonight, there is only you. Enjoying the perfect pocket of peace that you're carving into time just for yourself with every breath you take. Drawing a final deep breath in through your nose and exhaling through your mouth Vow to dedicate this time to yourself, to your relaxation. Now, if you're feeling ready, tonight's story can begin. I've always loved the way the sunlight strikes the water in nightfalls. That day the sun was gold 
cutting through crystal as it hit the lake. And perhaps I was looking at it a little more longingly than usual when Anwen asked if Devani and I might like to join her beneath the surface of the lake. Her invitation was something I had both hoped after and puzzled over for weeks. I would, of course, have loved to understand the world that Anwen had made for herself. But I couldn't see how I might be able to hold my breath long enough to truly explore the sprawling realm I had gazed at through the crystal window Lyra had revealed to me several weeks prior. The longest I had ever managed underwater was less than a minute. And I didn't think it would be possible to explore even the smallest corner of the city I had seen through the crystal window. Never one to weigh herself down with planning or practicality. Devani made her way down to the beach. Her clothes were still mud-splattered from the hike she had taken through the woods with Otto. But she didn't seem to mind too much. She was, after all, diving headfirst into the water in them, so the mud, I imagined, would wash out fairly easily. I didn't quite understand why she had dived in still in her jumper and heavy hiking boots. It took me a while to understand that perhaps it might not be proper to arrive in an unknown world without shoes or indeed any of the proper attire. At that, I laced my own walking boots on and wandered into the lake. Anwen slipped from the rock upon which she was sunning herself and dived into the water to meet us. The three of us paddled across the lake for a while, Perhaps because Anwen could sense I was a little nervous about our planned excursion and knew that I've always found the water to be particularly soothing. I thought perhaps the season's change would give the lake something of a chill. But I was pleased to find that the autumn sun seemed to pool in the lake itself and the water was just as warm as ever. Lyra, who had moseyed up to the clearing earlier that day, seemed content not to join us on our adventure and was happy to remain by the falls to look after Otto. I suspected she was also looking forward to having first pick of the vegetables that were ripe and ready for harvest in the allotment that day too. Eventually, as we neared the centre of the lake, Anwen took my hand into one of her own, and Devani's in her other, uninterested in our antics, and sensing that he'd have a better shot of getting a treat by sidling up to Lyra, Otto paddled back to the beach. It was as the canine arrived safely back on the beach 
and shook out his fur that the world turned upside down or rather inside out Anwin had set about an incantation and was chanting ancient words words that had lost their place in the modern world I could only just begin to pick out their meaning before drops of water began to rise from the surface of the lake and drift high into the sky above us. The droplets rose and rose to the sound of Anwin's voice until her chanting stopped and gave way to thickening silence. The droplets hung in the air around us, halted there by the magic Anwin had bound to them. They deadened the sound for miles around. The lake below us seemed almost entirely drained of water. In the corner of my eye, I saw Devani reaching out to pop the droplet of the water with her fingernail as though it were a bubble. The raindrop burst, and I let loose a breath I didn't know I had been holding in. Then, just when I was beginning to think that the stillness we had found ourselves moored up in might remain, the heavens opened. The rainfall washed us down, down, down into the bowl of the emptying lake. The water level rose around us, but even as it did, my breath came easy. Anwin was smiling wide, and Devani's eyes shone with excitement as the world began to change shape around us. Their enthusiasm helped me to settle helped me to shift any nervous energy remaining in my body into excitement. As we drift deeper beneath the surface of the lake, I drew a deep breath in, testing the waters in the most literal sense of the phrase. Breathing in, I felt cool, fresh air, fresher than I'd ever tasted, drifting in through my nose, and ever so easily out through my mouth. I couldn't begin to understand the kind of ancient magic that Anwin had brandished to ensure we could breathe easily underwater, but she had certainly been successful in her use of it. The air I breathed beneath the surface of the lake in nightfalls tasted as sweet as it had in the clearing above after the first rainfall, the one that broke the season and washed away the summer. Each easy breath I took underwater that day reminded me of the deep breaths I had drawn into my lungs 
After that first downpour had washed away the pollen that clung to the trees in summer and softened the dry earth beneath my feet, when I'd finally managed to make sense of up and down again, my eyes adjusted to the water. I realized that Devani, Anwin and I were still holding hands, though perhaps a little tighter than before. When she realized, Anwin was quick to release her hold on us. And I began to get the sense that she might not be much of a hugger. Together, the three of us were drifting down, past the reeds that hid Anwen's homeland from sight, and into whatever world it was that waited for us beneath nightfalls. With each breath we took together, I felt us being drawn closer, and with every exhale, our weight compounded with whatever magic Anwen had bound between us, and we sank a little deeper, breathing in and out, in and out, we drifted down, down, deeper down, until I felt my feet brush against the sandy bottom of the underwater world that had occupied my mind in wake and sleep for several weeks. Together, we stood on the fringes of a great city, an underwater metropolis that rose up from the sand before us and seemed almost to have been born of it. The streets that sprawled out before us didn't look as though they'd been laid by being or machine, and the buildings didn't appear to have been built, but instead appeared as though they had simply existed since the dawn of time. That was not the only difference I noted between buildings above ground and the stunning architecture Anwen's underwater world boasted. The buildings I was familiar with had all been built of earthen properties. Clay was burnt into bricks and limestone was made into mortar to bind the buildings I'd grown up in together. Even the shelter in Nightfalls was made of wood and moss from the forest. The homes in that underwater paradise were made of the same golden sands that dusted the bottom of the lake. I could hear Anwin's crisp voice clearly through the water when she waved her hand in beckoning and said, Follow me. I recall the rather wonderful way in which the pride upon her face had laced itself into her words. It took a moment to realize that there was only the hum of nothingness to underpin Anwen's voice. 
There was, of course, the occasional murmur of the ocean that surrounded us. For an ocean it was indeed. The vast and endless quiet washed in the water around us. And with every breath I took, I felt it sinking beneath my skin, soothing my soul and silencing the thoughts that had bubbled away in my brain. It struck me that sound seemed to travel only when the noisemaker themselves intended for it to, in Anwin's underwater world. No doubt the world went on turning as we explored the hidden realm beneath the falls, but any noise and clatter of the earth above seemed to have been halted by the sheer will of the water. Even the sounds I loved in nightfalls, the chirp of the birds, the constant babble of the brook, and the rush of the river cascading into the lake, were undetectable from down here, safe in the knowledge that their disappearance would be but fleeting, I found I rather enjoyed the reprieve. I had already begun following Anwin into the shadow of the city, when I noticed Devani's hand had slipped from mine, and turned to find her with her eyes shut tight, enjoying the perfect silence that washed around us in the water. I'd never seen Anwen in her full form. When we spoke in the clearing, the edges of her always appeared a little blurred to me, as though even the lines that marked her out to my eyes were watery and had been left to drip down the canvas instead of laid flat to dry. Down here, I could begin to make sense of her a little better. I could see more clearly the moments in which she allowed the water to flow through her and wash her in whichever direction she wished. As we drew nearer to the city, Devani caught up to us, and I began to feel the gentle push of an undercurrent at my back. I stood strong against it at first, for I hadn't realized that Anwen had picked her feet up and was drifting easily into the city on the gentle riptide. I anchored my feet into the sand to resist it for a moment, before I noticed Devani adopting the same technique as our dear friend had, and decided to follow their lead before they drifted too far off without me lifted my feet from the sandy bottom and joined them in floating down the street that ran right through the heart of that underwater metropolis. The streets are all one way, Anwin explained. Lean left and right to steer yourself clear of any traffic. The fish are always getting caught up in the current trying to swim against it, she added, the inconvenience of the matter etched into her brow. 
The roads we travelled weren't fast, and neither was the current we had allowed ourselves to get caught up in. But I got the sense that there was little need to be rushing around in this city. We passed only a handful of others on our way into the city, and no one had seemed to be at all interested in rushing their day along. It seemed the beings beneath the lake and nightfalls had little cause to hurry through their daily to-dos. I know now that Anwen's world operates beyond the bounds of time. No one there wears a watch, and I'm quite sure the general population has yet to catch the wind of time, the concept that has such a hold on those that live above land. I'm quite sure that those that have heard whisperings of the clock face and the calendar it defers to, the man-made axis upon which the earthen world turns, would certainly consider themselves better off without it. I noted even in passing that Anwin's kin knew how to honour the present, if they found themselves caught up in conversation in the town square, then, for them, nothing could ever be more important than the moment they were in and the person they found themselves sharing it with. Sirens and maidens populated the city, the likes of which I had always considered to be the stuff of myth and legend. Circe seemed to make her home there too. She was a figure I recognised from the Odyssey, which I studied both begrudgingly and in length at my English lessons at school. Circe was the daughter of Helios, and the oceanid nymph Perse. As I drifted past her, and the water nymphs that kept her company. I wondered if her story was as widely known beneath the surface of the deep blue as it happened to be above the ground. I wondered if she was even aware that her name was known to millions. I thought, perhaps not. For she didn't seem at all haughty. Anwen motioned for us to follow her down a side street that cut away from the heart of the city. Sea glass and smoothed pebbles cobbled the pathway beneath us and glittered in the rays of sunlight that had managed to stretch far enough into the depths of the water. As we drifted down the street, I noticed it beginning to narrow around us. The cobbles gave way to soft sands peppered with seashells, and the homes that had lined either side of the path gave way to the imposing rock face they were built into. Eventually, those two planes of rock converged and wrapped themselves around us. It was cosy in the pits of that cave. The current seemed to stop. 
we found ourselves safe in the stillness of the ocean's embrace. There was a hole cut into the pit of that cave, but that knew could only have been carved out by time and the wash of those waters themselves, for the rock was far thicker than mortal hands could ever hope to pry through. And when pulled to one side, and allowed Devani and I the chance to peer beyond the rock together. Before us stretched out a beautiful, technicolor coral reef. It was vibrant and abundant, boasting oranges, greens, purples, and pinks. I'd never before seen the likes of. It settled me to know that there were colors I had not yet seen, worlds I had yet to explore. It soothed me to know that there always would be. Nightfalls had proved it to me time and time again and shown me corners of life I'd never expected I might never even begin to understand. There was something rather comforting in the knowledge that there would always be more to see. The reef was teeming with the life, and it was a metropolis all of its own. The fish come through the city occasionally, Hanwin explained, but they seem to prefer it out there, tending to the reef and feeding their families off of it. Every ounce of my being longed to explore that reef, but Anwen had already drawn back down the street and ducked inside the door of a quaint-looking cottage cut into the rock face. There's someone I'd like you to meet. She called back to Devani and I as she disappeared through the doorway found that as much as I wanted to explore that reef, I also wanted to know the kind of company one of my dearest friends kept. Rhea, Anwen called out as Devani and I dipped through the doorway into her home. Come down here a second. There are some people you might like to meet. There were no stairs in Anwen's house, and so Rhea who appeared to be the very picture of Anwin, only rather a lot smaller, drifted downstairs through a hole cut into the ceiling and flitted like a tadpole might towards Anwin. Hi, Rhea said, from her spot hiding behind Anwin's legs, looking up at her mother, in the way that all the young ones do, and they don't quite know what to say next. Hi, Rhea. I introduced myself, wheeling out my widest smile. I couldn't help but glance between the two of them, for there were far more similarities than there were differences. The pair shared the same dark tendrils of hair, the same blue-grey eyes, and 
though they might have shared the same face shape, there was a sharpness to the way Anwen wore her features that differed from the rosy youthfulness of Rhea's own complexion. Anwen gave us the grand tour, showing us the sea moss she and Rhea had planted together and explaining how the pair of them had grown the first florets of coral and built the beginnings of the reef themselves. It became apparent to me that there was much I hadn't known about Anwin. She had never made mention of Rhea before, nor had she had explained that she had cultivated this community herself and convinced passers-by like the water nymphs, to build a life beneath the falls with her. It was difficult to imagine Anwen involving herself in something of a community project, when it was hard enough to get her to help wash up dishes after dinner. But I knew that she could never be entirely sure of where she had come from, and so her yearning for a strong sense of home and community made sense to me. It struck me that Anwen might not know any others like her, that had drifted down to earth in a comet, and had their being bound to the magic that flowed into and over the falls. I was planning on showing Jeff and Devani the reef, Freya. Would you like to come? Anwen asked, a softness coating her voice that must have been reserved only for her daughter. For Devani and I had never before been privy to it. Rhea smiled wide and was fizzing through the front door, feet seeming to turn to flippers the moment her mother mentioned a trip to the reef. Anwen, Devani and I followed Rhea through the door and out past the lip of the cave. As the reef unfolded before us, I found myself swimming faster, stretching my arms and legs out farther and diving down deeper. A family of clownfish seemed to busy themselves about the toadstool coral at the heart of the reef. A shoal of angelfish drifted peacefully above and I followed them as far as I could before they disappeared into a gap in the reef. The inner workings of their world fascinated me as they flitted in and out of gaps in the coral. The fish could see the coral from a perspective I would never be able to. The bustling reef rather reminded me of the cities I had known in my youth, it had me thinking about the skyscrapers that had seemed to shrink year on year as I grew older, and my perspective on the world shifted. I could see life happening in the reef, but I would only ever be able to see it from the outside, from above. And though I found myself a little disappointed that I couldn't enjoy the marine world as they did, Watching them enjoy their world 
give me a tremendous sense of gratitude for my own. Suddenly I find myself rather appreciative of the world above ground. The one with spaces and places I fit into. The one with doorways designed just for the human frame. I followed Devani to the very edge of the reef, where the rock upon which the coral was planted dropped away into the beautiful blue abyss. Giant turtles that looked old enough to be enjoying their third lifetime merged from the deep blue every now and again and came to rest upon the rocky ledge I shared with her. We stood by, watching them for a while, until Rhea bustled between us, tottering on about a shipwreck just beyond the ledge. Following not far behind her daughter, Anwin came to meet us on the ledge. I got the sense that she had been dragged to the site of that shipwreck many a time, and wasn't quite as enthused as she pretended to be about the prospect of visiting the site again. Nevertheless, the three of us followed Rhea off of the ledge, diving down just a little further to the soft sand below. When the wreck came into sight, found I couldn't quite place the decade in which it had been washed up. Though the design seemed half a millennium old, it appeared pristine enough that it could have been bobbling healthily upon the surface of the ocean just yesterday tea time. I didn't understand the ocean beneath the earth so well back then. I struggle even now to grasp how it can be that whole civilizations have existed and thrived beneath the earth's crust and gone unnoticed by the world above. But then I suppose we all have a tendency to get wrapped up in our own world. I might have asked Anwin how the whole thing fit together that day, or if she knew how it had even been possible for the two worlds to go on existing in the same place without ever having truly taken notice of one another. But we were already pulling open the door to the captain's quarters. Rhea took a seat in the grand chair behind the big oaken desk the captain had clearly used to conduct his correspondence. The tide seemed to have held back time, for the books on the shelf had remained in place. The parchment on the desk still appeared to be crisp, and somehow the ink that had been scrawled upon it had yet to run, even after an eternity drenched in seawater. The stained glass windows at the helm of the boat cast purple and blue light across the cabin, and it was hard not to yawn as the sleepy shades blossomed around us. Anwin pulled back the corner of a plush rug at the centre of the cabin and revealed a hidden door in the wooden floor, 
we stood upon. Together, we were able to prise it open. The space within it seemed almost a glow, and peering into it, Devani and I found ourselves staring a true treasure trove in the face. We drifted down and took the time to explore what was as much a time capsule as it was a treasure trove. I ran my hand over piles of gold coins and felt the weight of them in my palm before I set them back down. I'd never seen anything like it. I wondered where it had come from, if it had been earned or stolen, and who it might have belonged to before it was put to rest upon the sands. The treasure had ignited a childhood fantasy of mine, a desire I'd always had to find the X that marked the spot and uncover the lost treasures of Earth. Rhea, however, didn't seem at all interested in the gold or rubies below deck. For her, it seemed that the true treasure on board were the human artifacts, the evidence of a life abandoned for safety's sake. Amwin assured Devani and I that none of the sailors had been harmed in the sinking of the boat. They'd begun to take on water after hitting a rock and deserted the ship in their rowboat moments later. She had even shown the sailors the path back to their families. Anwen seemed to recall the day as though it were yesterday, but when I asked her how long the ship had been wrecked, she said it had to have been half a century. Rhea seemed to be learning to read human languages and found it rather fascinating. I'd assumed that Amwin and I had shared a common language, and though she agreed we did, it was not her first. My friend explained that beneath the surface of the earth, they tended to speak into the mind as opposed to space. It kept the world quiet and kept people out of each other's business. It also meant there was much less need for a written language. Anwen said that Rhea rather liked humans, for she thought the way they moved was funny and found herself rather curious about the two-legged oddities that lived upstairs. Particularly, the ones her mother had told her lived by the lake, in nightfalls. I was beginning to understand that the lake in nightfalls, fashioned as something of a portal between that ocean and the earth above, and as less and less sunlight brightened the water, I found myself ready to swim back through it and return home to nightfalls. Though I had much enjoyed the long day's adventure, I found my muscles tired from the lengthy swim, the likes of which 
and wasn't designed for quite as well as Anwin or Rhea. By the time Devani and I arrived back on the beach, and Anwin bid us farewell, I was more than ready to drift off. Only starlight danced upon the surface of the water by the time I stretched myself out upon the beach, and as the night deepened, so too did my need for sleep. Good night, I whispered into the darkness, unsure if Devani had already drifted off. Good night, she smiled back, taking hold of my hand as my eyes closed on the day. <laughs>